Hey, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. I play hockey to be the best, and, I, and that's my goal with my career. I want to be one of the best goals in the world. Sens fans, meet Philly franchise. That was Philip Gustafson in conversation with James Duthie at the first intermission of Gustafson's first NHL game. Now, he didn't dress in this one. He was just a spectator before being sent to Belleville for the weekend. As I'm joined with Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. We also have Brandon Purdy here. You'll hear from him later on with Prairie Fire and a new segment that we'll leave until later. Guys, we saw three games and three nights for Belleville. Ottawa, on the other hand, in the midst of a four-game losing streak, what would you rather start with? Let's go with Belleville. Let's do a big day for Belleville. A huge whole day. episode of On the Farm. How about it's more or less going to be that we will touch on a new addition to the Ottawa Senators, Christian Wallinen, playing two games. I was nervous personally that they weren't going to get him signed. He could have been a college free agent August fifteenth. Decided to forego that opportunity and sign with the Senators. Now Wallinen, a son of Craig Wallinen, who played thirteen seasons in the NHL. But you said you wanted to start with Belleville, so let's do just that. They were in the midst of a Three games in three days over the weekend, and we saw three different goalies play. Later in the show, Brandon Piller talks to one of them, but today, what did you like from Philip Gustafson? Well, to be honest, that was a back, back bounce-back game in his own mind. He got out there in the first period and did not feel comfortable at all, he said, which can be expected. What a whirlwind 72 hours he's been through, coming over, playing his first game, being interviewed four times within 24 hours of getting off the plane. And for him to admit that he wasn't comfortable in the first period and then turn out a gem like that in a game where he got plenty of offensive support, it's definitely got to be confidence building for not just him, but the whole organization looking at this move and saying, this might be worth the deal. And I mean, small sample size is just his first game, but... The thing, the thing about that is he could have put up a terrible game and it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because, like Chris just said, there's so many intangibles. He's coming from Sweden. This is his first time even seeing an NHL game live. And then he's playing in the American League in Belleville a day later. Like, this guy has gone through it all. And then he puts up a massive game for his first game with the Belleville Centers to beat the Laval Rockets. I love it. And I'm so excited to see more of... Philip, the franchise, Gustafson. You could go with Gustafson as well if you wanted to. <laughs> it's maybe a little early. For... Uh, we'll stick with the alliteration. Philip so, franchise. It wasn't only a big day for Philip Gustafson in Belleville. Also, the offense exploded for eight goals. How about a hat trick from the back end, Vili Polka? I told you. I told you. And that's you. Chris's boy, yeah. Big Vili Polka guy. Um, My jersey's and, in the mail. <laughs> and Colin White three-point night. He was held off the score sheet for nine straight games. He now has six points in his last four games. Shout out number 36 as we're in episode 36. Chris still hates that number, but he'll get over it. Also, former number 36 for the Ottawa Senators, Team Canada bronze medalist Rob Klinkhammer. Hey, you deserve it, man. Good work. And uh, Ross, you were talking about Colin White's goalless drought, and he scored an empty netter last night. Was it last Afternoon. night? Afternoon, yeah. And you know, for a lot of guys, that just seems like a chip in. It's not really a big deal. But sometimes you just need any sort of spark just to just to get the wheels going. And something like that can do it for you. So good for Colin White. He's got things back on track. And Sens fans, we're, you all want to see him doing a lot better. And that's, that's a good place to start. 
no people like empty net goals more than A, when you're playing the puck line and need that extra goal yeah, to cover the spread. True. Or B, a player in a bit of a slump. Exactly. And yesterday, it wasn't just an empty netter. He went out, he beat his man at his own blue line, won the puck battle, and then snapped home a shot from about the red line. And they were shorthanded on that play to kill off the final minutes of the game. And off the faceoff, which he won in the defensive end, he tried the shot on goal knowing that it wouldn't be icing because of the man uh, disadvantage. And showed poise. He missed the first one, stayed in the defensive zone, worked around, got the puck back, and then managed to get the puck in the goal to finish off the play. And there was a couple plays earlier in that game as well. I don't know if we've mentioned, we were at the game yesterday, Ross and I, and Jeremy as well, who can't make it today, but he showed flashes of being NHL ready and poised with the puck. There was a few rushes. He went right up the middle, looked great. And there's lots of things right now, we mentioned it, he's slumping, but there's lots of things in his game that look like he's ready to take that next step and be that full-time NHL player in just next season. And an NHL player this season, we teased it a little bit with Christian Willinen. He made his debut with Ottawa and has played two games, and he's played mostly with Cody Ceci, being given an opportunity here in the final uh, games of the season to show what he has. Did you guys like what you saw out of Willinen? Well, first of all, you mentioned his dad, Craig Willinen, former NHLer. Great interview. Both games, he's given great interviews. Yeah. Very entertaining. But this is a, a Christian Willinen sorry, coming in very confident. He's put up career numbers this year at UND, University of North Dakota. Put great up, program, by the yes, way. Yes, great program. Probably better facilities than the CTC. He put up 12 goals, 23 assists, 35 points in 40 games this year. 50 PIMS and a plus 12. So you can't really argue with that kind of production from the back end. And it looked like even in the second period of his first game, he already had that, my feet are wet, I'm going in. And he had a couple rushes. He was behind the opposition's net at one point, carrying the puck. That's a confident player. And what I love of players coming out of the NCAA is this guy's already 23 years old. He's not a kid. He's physically developed. He's put in the work to understand his game, understand what he needs to do. He was playing against men in university, and now he's able to transfer that, and it's shown in the first two games that he's able to take that, what he's learned from UND, and translate it into a professional game. And just so thankful that he did decide to sign with the Senators, because like you said, he had an he had an open, open world. He could have just stuck around and decided to become a free agent, but he said, you know what? I'm getting a chance here, and why not take it? And why wouldn't you take it? You're you're getting offered a contract. He already knows a lot of the players on the team, a lot of the guys. So this is a comfortable place for him, and it, he probably knows he has a good chance of cracking a roster. So great to see him sign, and hopefully we see a lot more from him in the future. And good for him to escape as a uh, even in these two games where the Sens had a lot of goals put up on them, and he came out of it. Not Plus being, one. Yeah, not being the root cause of any of that. Also, fun little fact, local boy born in Quebec City, technically grew up in Detroit, but his dad was playing in the area when he was born, so just another kid coming home in Ottawa. <laughs> well, I don't know what your geography skills are like, but Quebec City is like six-hour drive from Ottawa, but um, I see where you're going with it a little bit. Uh, probably neighbors with uh, Thomas Shabbat, St. Mary Dubose, much closer to Quebec City than Ottawa. And no, I, I'm not good at geography. <laughs> I digress. Uh, we we should mention his dad finished his career with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but we'll forgive him for that. In his interview, they asked, 
is your style of play similar to that of Christian and Craig Willine had a great answer said I hope not because his career won't be that long if it is <laughs> Willine Craig Willine the elder known as a very defensive defenseman putting up 80 penalty minutes pretty much a year uh, throughout his 13 year career he was also the third overall selection in the 1985 draft so he comes from good genes and I'll give you $100 if you tell me who went first overall in the 1985 draft 500 if you tell me the two picks before Craig Willinen. You will know them both. Keep your money. I will. It's Wendell Clark, first overall. And then Hockey Night in Canada analyst Craig Simpson. So with the acquisition of Philip Gustafsson, another send Swedish prospect goaltender has been pushed to the side. Now, it's not fair for Marcus Hogberg because he's split this year between Brampton and Belleville. But today he was in Brampton and our Brandon Pillar caught up with the Sens goalie. And it was a back and forth game today. Uh, it was a tough, tough penalty shot there. I, I thought you read it perfectly. What did you see uh, on that penalty shot today? Uh, I don't know. I'll try to, to, uh, to read the, uh, how the player like doing and try to make like do like I try to, to, to wait and uh, try to uh, play and make the first move. But uh, he, he did a good shot and uh, uh, it was a tough one. And, but you kept your team in this game with 32 saves, a uh, back-and-forth game. Do you find that uh, the East Coast Hockey League is uh, similar to the AHL in speed and skill, or what are the big differences that you have to be aware of coming from AHL to e- ECHL? Uh, I don't know. Like uh, it's been, I think the speed is more more higher up there, and, and like everything is is, is is higher, of course, but. Uh, like like uh, like I said I I have to like try to read and like uh, do my best here and uh, it doesn't matter if I go up in Belgrade or or, or Brantos. I wanted to ask you it's it's the thing a lot of people are talking about uh, when goalies they have to switch from playing in Sweden or playing internationally to coming to North America it's a whole different style of game but a lot of people don't realize it's very different for the goalies as well now that you've been here in North America for almost a full season what's the biggest difference for you as a goalie coming from Sweden to North America uh, like uh, uh, of course the rink is, is smaller and they're going much, much faster like the corners are, are tighter and, and you have to be 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 aware of from like shots from everywhere and and uh, and like uh, a lot of traffic too. I've been working pretty hard to to work on the like try to find pucks and and uh, that's a couple of things uh, uh, I've been working uh, working on and and stuff like that. And then uh, this is I have to play play a little bit deeper in the net uh, in in Sweden. I can play a little bit longer out and, and be more aggressive, but. Uh, you can't be like so aggressive here, uh, like in like in like in Europe. So uh, you've been doing a lot of moving around from uh, Belleville with the Belleville Senators to Brampton. Has that uh, has that been difficult for you, or do you find it a bit of an advantage? You get uh, you get lots of time to play. You're you're on the ice more often, even if it's with different teams. Has that been helpful for helpful for you, or a little bit difficult? Uh, like. Both, but yeah. like uh, like I said, you have to play good wherever you you're playing. So it's been hard, but but of course it's it's, it's like nice to to play 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 games and uh, like uh, I try to 
to, to win every game. I, I doesn't matter if I'm Belleville and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and Brampton, but uh, I try to stay positive and like uh, uh, see a, like a good opportunity to, for me to be better goalie. So. And now another Swedish goalie is uh, joining the Ottawa Center system, Philip Gustafsson. He actually got his first start in Belleville today. Do you, do you know Philip very well? Do you know of him? And uh, what's it going to be like for you having another Swedish, a young Swedish goalie to develop with uh, with the Ottawa Senators? Are you excited about that? I'm really excited. Uh, uh, I've been playing against him in, in Swedish Hockey League, so, so I know he's a really good goalie and, and, and young goalie too. So uh, it's, been, it's been good a couple of years now in Swedish Hockey League, so I think it's, it's going to be good competition between us and uh, of course it's nice to, to have a Swedish uh, yep. teammates of course so uh, it's, it's gonna be fun. So Philip Gustafsson will be uh, transitioning to the North American game as well. Did you have uh, players or coaches and teammates that really helped you make that switch even not just hockey even just living uh, changing from Sweden to North America? Uh, my agents ha have helped me a lot with uh, it's been tough for me to uh, first couple of months I've been uh, at hotel because I we didn't know where I'm playing and then uh, they helped me to to get an apartment here yep. in Brampton and then uh, when I get called up in Belleville uh, after Christmas uh, uh, I've been <laughs> at the hotel a couple of months there too and then uh, I get a house in later uh, I think it's two months yep. ago but uh, Actually, my, my girlfriend and parents and, and 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 dog has helped me really, really much to to keep uh, to keep it up and like uh, focus on hockey when I come here and then uh, try to relax when I like outside hockey. So it's it's been a couple of guys who helped me out there. Yeah. yeah, and uh, in December you got to go back to Sweden with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, what was that like? Was that fun? Oh yeah, it was uh, really, really fun. Uh, uh, we went there for one week, and it was was uh, was nice to come back home and meet my family and stuff like that, and then see see the big players how they do and uh, how it works up there. So it was was a good uh, experience for me to to see how it is. And then uh, actually, my parents are here, are here right now. Uh, oh, nice! They are on the Canada trip right now, so it's it's nice to have them here too. Definitely. Uh, and one last question, uh, not hockey related, is uh, not hockey related. Um, is there anything about moving to North America that you weren't expecting that uh, maybe you've enjoyed or was different than what you thought? Uh, oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I thought that the hotel life would, should be really nice, but after a week or two, it was not good. But, yeah. but, but you have to to find a way to. Uh, to 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 make sure that you have a good time here too, but I have I have enjoyed the Canada so far, uh, so it's good. That's good. Thank you very much. Just want to give a big shout out to the Brampton Beast and Marcus Hogberg for allowing me to take some time to interview him after the game. And guys, I don't know how much East Coast Hockey League games you guys are watching, but this all was, of them. This was my first, and it was actually pretty exciting. It was a back and forth game. The Beast ended up winning 6-5 in overtime, and I was pretty nervous. I was sweating in the third period. It was 4-4, four, four, 
And uh, there was a penalty shot awarded to the Indy Fuel against the Brampton Beast. And they scored on that. So that was looking to be the game winner. Only a couple minutes left. Uh, and I just did not want to have to interview Hogberg after the penalty shot was the game winning goal. So I was praying that something would change. The Indy Fuel take two penalties in the last minute. It's a six-on-three power play. Eventually, the Brampton Beast did score, and then they got the winner in overtime. The place was bumping. Uh, it was a huge win for them, a lot of excitement. And uh, as you heard in the in the interview, Marcus Hogberg's parents were actually at the game. They're, they're on a trip to Canada, so really cool moment for Hogberg. And if you're an avid listener, you know it's a really cool moment for me because I've been really into Marcus Hogberg as a goalie prospect for the Sens. So just a good time interviewing him and uh, hopefully get a chance to chat with him later and as a part of either Belleville or Ottawa. Yeah, and I mentioned the three goalies in three games, and it was Marcus Hogberg that was in goal for the 4-2 loss against the Toronto Marlies. That was on Friday night. Uh, he allowed four goals on 33 shots and then was sent down after he backed up Danny Taylor on Saturday. Yes, and speaking of what Gustafson's going through, look at Hogberg too. You go from playing to backing up to going over to Brampton to a different league, a different team, and then starting. And these these young hockey players, they're grinding, and you got to respect what they're doing. Like He's working really hard to get his game up. And what I noticed is last time we saw him play live was at the rookie tournament at the start of the year. And one of my comments was, he's so good down low. You can't beat him down low. It almost seemed like the opposite has happened because they were trying shots up high and no chance at all for uh, them to get anything past Hogberg above the waist. So what they're trying to do is utilize, he's a tall guy, he uses his butterfly. So they were trying to get the rebounds down low and that worked a couple times. He had troubles with Deeks down low as well. So that's something he's going to work on. But overall, he looks smooth and that Beast team is struggling, so he didn't have a lot of support in front of him. So really, it's not fair to look at Hogberg's numbers and judge him that way because he is playing well and he is developing. These things just take time. Now, back to the National Hockey League team, but let's talk off the ice. There was a big GoFundMe crowd that got a billboard, multiple billboards of Melnick out around Ottawa. Uh, I think more are going up as well. Now, uh, a lot of people were curious about what the effects this would have. Some saying it's petty, it's not going to do anything, but we think it has. It has had an effect. There's been two town hall meetings scheduled between Eugene Melnick, Pierre Dorian, and any fans who want to go. There was a survey sent out to season ticket holders asking them what could improve the fan experience. Many replied, don't trade the captain. And also, season ticket holders were invited onto a conference call with Pierre Dorian on Friday, where he outlined his hopes and plans for the team, which include offering contracts to Eric Carlson, Matt Duchesne, and Mark Stone this summer. Now, Carlson and Duchesne don't need a contract until the following July 1st, but Mark Stone is an RFA this season, so he will be back no matter what next year, but Dorian said they hope to get something done long term and the the fact that Mark Stone had the season he did, did himself some favors at the bottom line, so it'll be really interesting to see what he signs for. I want to get back to the root of all this. Do you think one, were the Sens fans justified in putting up these billboards and two, how do you think the organization responded? Well, it doesn't matter how this works out. There's two possible scenarios here, and I think both were reached. One 
is you get the change. You get what you're after. And the Sens fans that put this up, that drove this force, put their own money into this, they made it work. The other side of it is it, ca- it casts a bad shadow over all of Ottawa. And really what I think, this is this is just very negative experience for everyone involved. Yes, it got what they wanted, but now the rest so of far. the... So far. But the rest of the league's looking around. This can't help during free agency. Oh, there's no way anybody of note's going to sign with the Senders. We even see... In terms of their AHL team, bringing back guys who have already been in the organization. A good story, actually. Dave Derzinski uh, was cut by the Utica Comets, where he was playing in the AHL this season. He was actually on a flight to the East Coast League to play for the Orlando Solar Bears. Now, when he got off the plane, Randy Lee called and said, Hey, I remember you from the 2011 Calder Cup championship team. Do you want to come play for Belleville? So, Drzezinski just got right back on a flight, got some air miles, and he was in the lineup for this weekend. He actually got on the board, one of the goal scorers in today's game. Brandon, what are your thoughts on the billboard situation? Well, Ross, I think it's good because it it started a conversation. Like we said, it, it's a trickle-down effect. And the only way that this is good, though, is if it's done with some sort of respect. I mean, you can't... You can't be totally nasty about it. The fans can't be t- totally nasty towards Melnick because, you know what, he is the owner of this team. He's the one paying the bills. That's the way it is. He gets to make the decisions. It's his business, right? So fans, they have a right to be upset with what's been going on because everyone knows. Talk to anyone in the media or anyone close to the center's organization. This thing's running off the rails this season, just in all aspects. So as long as this is done properly and it it helps open the eyes of ownership saying, wow, these fans really are upset if they're willing to spend their own money on billboards instead of renewing their season tickets. So in that sense, I think it's good. But where will it lead? The big question is, if it if Carlson doesn't re-sign... It's all for naught. Yeah, absolutely agree with that last notion. If Carlson is not an Ottawa Senator next year and beyond, this is an irreparable relationship. But as a good friend of mine said, when you buy your ticket to a game, you've earned the right to your seat. You're not now a co-owner. So it's Eugene Melnick's team. And if he wants to run it in the ground, sure, fans can be upset about that. But it's his prerogative. He bought the team. He saved them at a really difficult time. He bought the team for $150 million. And Forbes has them valued at over $400 million this year. So the the question you ask Eugene then is, why don't you just sell, make a $300 million profit? You already live in Barbados most of the time. Just enjoy the rest of your life. There was a big health scare he had a couple years ago, and, you know, why not just set sail? It's clear that he is a very uh, polarizing figure in the city of Ottawa, and I just don't see what's in it for him to continue this path. And really, the only way I see this moving forward is, like you said, Ross, I think he should start considering selling the team seriously but selling it to uh, a group or a person that wants to keep the team in Ottawa and move it to Le Breton. This whole, this whole notion of the team going to Quebec City is absolutely ludicrous. It's not it's unrealistic. It's it's not Melnick's choice. This has to go through so many hoops to get this moved. It's I, like 
it's not even worth talking about. That's what I wanted to put Well, put Don out Cherry there. didn't think that. Don Cherry thought it was appropriate to talk about on Coach's Corner when I don't think he's very connected with the city of Ottawa. He's had many failed attempts at business there. Don Cherry's Bar and Grill did not do well in Ottawa, and I don't think that Don Cherry really has uh, the information to be able to stick his nose into that p- pile Especially of money. Especially on that kind of platform. Yeah, exactly. And what he said was that they should move to Quebec City. And Gary Bettman has already said that he won't allow that to happen. So you got to think, with the health of the league, I believe it's in pretty good spirits. This has been an excellent, a very close season uh, for most teams fighting for the playoffs. The parity's never been greater. The speed of the game's never been faster. And with speed at the forefront of our minds, let's throw it over to Prairie Fire. It's time for Prairie Fire. Guys, pleasure to be back with you. So, this season, Alexander Ovechkin, he's sitting at 44 goals. Patrick Lyon at 43. And uh, our buddy Gino Malkin at 42. Will we see a 50-goal scorer this year? I definitely think we will. I mean, these guys are so hot right now. There is a lack of games remaining, but it really just takes one for one of these guys to go off. I saw Evgeny Malkin score a beautiful goal today in a very entertaining edition of the Battle of Pennsylvania. A little pullback shoot. On the power play that's looking lethal right now. I can see him do it. Ovechkin, you never know. Line A, that injury scare might take a little bit of time to get back, but 50 is an incredible number, and I think we might see it this year, boys. If anyone does that, I think it'll be Ovi. Like you said, Line is dealing with a bit of an injury, and then Malkin's uh, the lowest one on the goal totals there. So I would love to see Ovi get 50 again. The guy's a goal scorer. Let him score. Well, so Ovi had two goals in his in his most recent four games. And if you remember how he started the year, he had two goals in two games, but before that had seven goals in his first two games of the season. So if he can go on a splurge like that, he will hit 50. I think he's the most realistic option at this point, but I don't know if he gets there. Boys, there is not a comeback player of the year award in the NHL, but here at Sense Central, why not? So comeback player of the year award, guys, who is your nominee? Steven Stamkos, it's not even close for me. This guy's in elite status. I would say top-tier elite if that even exists. He's putting on a show this season. He's on a pretty talented line, but he's the driving force on that line. His skating ability, his shot, his IQ, his vision. Complete game player, and for him to come back from what he's dealt with in his career to play like this, in my mind, there's really no other choice. I'm going to give you another choice, Chris, and this is one that... Really surprised, I think, everyone, including the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hellebuck. We're talking about a goalie that was mediocre at best last year. The Winnipeg Jets had terrible goaltending between him and Hutchison. They brought in Mason to be the veteran guy, the stable veteran guy, while Hellebuck developed, and Hellebuck took over. I mean, we're looking at a guy with 38 wins, a 2.34 goals against average, save percentage and six shutouts. This guy has turned the ship around. And what do you need in the playoffs to last a good goalie? I think the Jets are finally a complete team because of Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, both good choices there. Mine is interesting because comeback would insinuate he was good two years ago. I'm going all the way back to his rookie season when he had a great year. When he won rookie of the year, put up 63 points, but hadn't topped 53 since. Until this year. Now, not only comeback player of the year, but an MVP nomination, Nathan McKinnon. From the moment Matt Duchesne was traded, McKinnon 
took it upon himself to set the league on fire. And not only are 92 points in 67 games jumping off the page, but how about 11 game-winning goals? That's nasty. Some great picks there, guys. Personally, for myself, I'm going with Eric Stahl because he has been unbelievable in Minnesota. Yeah. He's knocking on the door of 40 goals, currently sitting at 39. Would love to see Eric Stahl hit that 40-goal plateau. It's always fun to just see good hockey coming out of Minnesota. Yeah, it is. The state of hockey, as they say, Chris. Now, guys, the free agency class of 2018 looks electric. At the top of that market, some big names. Who do you guys see being the most likely to find a new team, and where so do they land? I've got a couple of names here. John Tavares, John Carlson, JVR, Mike Green, James Neal, Michael Backlund, or any other. I think John Tavares is going to have the biggest impact, and I think that's because he's going to stay on the island. He's going to sign back big. That's such a good one-two punch. Him with there with Barzell, and then who knows, Anthony Beauvillier could move to the middle. And then you still have Cases Zekas there. There's just so much possibility there. With that arena moving back to Nas Nassau, sorry, it's going to be a big future there. The free agent that I'm most interested in is James Neal. This guy's played on a couple teams in his career. And he's always done really well. He's a goal scorer. He's a gritty guy. I, I think he, he's a locker room guy. He seems to succeed wherever he goes. But like Tavares, I want him to stay. I want that Vegas Golden Knights team to keep their core and keep building. Because they need a... Well, James Neal is a star. He's not a superstar, but he's definitely a star. They need a star winger who can score on that first line. And then they, get, they can add to that with picks free agents, trades. So I would love to see James Neal hit free agency. First day signed by the Vegas Golden Knights again, and that's that. Yeah, like my choice is a guy who plays a similar style, actually, as James Neal, and I'm sure he'd like to stay on the team he's on, and I think the team would like to have him, but James Van Riemsdyk is playing his way off of the Toronto Maple Leafs. 34 goals, a career high. How can they afford to sign him? They, they they're going to have cap issues with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner coming off of their entry-level deals after next season. But just what he brings on the power play. So I mentioned Nathan McKinnon, 11 game-winning goals. James Van Riemsdyk has 11 goals in the power play. He does all his work right in front of the net. He's a dangerous, dangerous weapon. And I think he's going to help a team not named Toronto next season. All right, guys. Now, as we all know, Prairie Fire is all about the fun. So just for fun here, Ilya Kovalchuk, where do you see him next year? Does he still have a house in New Jersey? I mean, <laughs> leaving that team, they are pretty good now. There's no way New Jersey brings him back after what Agreed. he did to them. That was a that was almost like a Danny Heatley-style move. You get a great contract signed. You're signed up for a long time. And then, like, just as the contract starts, you want out. And he had to retire to leave, and now he's coming back. And didn't didn't the Devils lose a couple draft picks because of that mammoth contract yep. they signed him? So that's got to leave a bad taste in the Devils' mouth. I I don't know where he's going to end up, but I can almost guarantee it will not be in New Jersey. There's a lot of rumors that it's going to be with the New York Rangers. And oh, I, classic move. Exactly. Now, you think back to the early 2000s when every free agent ended up with the Even Rangers. Even still, all the old free agents end up going there. Like, just off the top of my head, you have Eric Lindros that played there. Pavel Bure played there. Uh, I mean, the list actually probably goes on and on. Theo Fleury was another guy that signed big there for a couple years. Did not work out for him. Scott Ma Gomez, another one That's that did I not work out. But he came along with Chris Drury. Scott <laughs> Gomez and Chris Drury were their massive free Ooh. agent signings. We are big-time Montreal Canadiens haters on this show, so 
The good news about the Scott Gomez sign. Hey, he was a Sen. Not only did Scott Gomez, or rather the Rangers, get out of the Scott Gomez contract, they uh, acquired Ryan McDonough in that trade. So uh, that worked out pretty well That's for them. Win, yeah. All right, thank you very much, boys. I'll be back a little, little later on in the program. No, not a little bit later, Purdy. We're going to keep you here. As we get nearer to the draft, we're going to break in this new segment with producer P, Prospect Pick'em. That's a lot of P's. With each episode, we'll isolate one pick and who the Sens could or should potentially target with that pick, starting with the Sens' own first-rounder this year. The Ottawa Senators are proud to select. It's Send Central Prospect Pickle. Now that clip you had of Daniel Alfredson announcing the first pick, he was announcing Eric Carlson. So that brings back some Damn. good memories. The 2008 draft held in Ottawa. What a moment where they traded up from 18 to 15. And funny enough, it was Calvin Picard that I'm going way off track here, but I think this was so funny. Calvin Picard was the guy taken by Nashville in that pick. And we saw him at the Marlies game have a temper tantrum. He let in. <laughs> For not the first time this season. No, it was so funny. After the second goal went in, and you know what? I could be wrong. I think it was Chet Picard that got drafted with this pick, but I'm going to tell the story anyways. I don't care anymore. Yeah, Calvin Picard, after the second goal against, he was really upset. He went and gave it to the refs. They ignored him. They skated away. So what does he do? He knocks his net off and just spins it sideways. Now, play went on for about 10 seconds and Picard's standing there the beside Legio the net. The Legio move. Yeah, except Legio only does it on breakaways. <laughs> Legend move. Legio move. Yeah, stretch, but we'll give it to you. Now, not only did they blow the play dead, they gave an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty oh, to Picard. Got him. So what does Sheldon Keith do? Pulls him. See you later. Out of the game. In comes Garrett Sparks. Have a towel. Sit on the bench there, Picard. Yeah, I had to awkwardly walk up those stairs at Rico <laughs> that go to the room. Great arena. But yeah, that's why we go to these games. That's the kind of scouting report you're going to get up from us. Yeah, and <laughs> Christian Yarosh uh, was out in the lineup for a long time. He made his return. But let's get back to why we're here in the first place. Let's say fourth overall pick the Sens get. Who would you like to see them pick? Well, I'll go first. Rasmus Dahlin's going to go first. That was my pick. Andrei Sveshnikov's going to go second. Philip Zadina's going to go third. And Brady Kachuk is now a senator, and I love it. Nobody other than, I don't know, Boro, who's hurt, been hurt quite a bit this year, and Max McCormick is hard to play against on the senators right now. You need one of these guys to come in and play an effective role for you. Not everyone can be a goal scorer. This kid can score. Don't take that away from him. We all saw that in the World Juniors when he scored a couple unbelievable goals playing for the national team development program in the states right now he's playing great this year at boston university he actually was just eliminated by michigan earlier today he had 39 games played eight goals 22 assists 30 penalty minutes this kid six foot two 194 pounds he's only 18 years old he's already got a man's frame bring him to the sands bring that lifeblood to the sands Bring home a cup, boys. Come on, let's go. Uh, I just have one answer, and if it's not Rasmus Dahlin, I'm not even interested. Uh, in my mind, the Sens are getting the number one pick. They're getting that Swedish elite defenseman. And I honestly have not even thought about the Sens picking anyone else because I'm that dialed in on them getting number one. It's tank time. Yeah, I can't wait for you to be disappointed, Pillar. I'd love to have Rasmus Dahlin as well, but I will stick 
with a defenseman. And it's the teammate of Alex Formanton. It's Evan Bouchard, who is setting new records all over the place with the London Knights. He put up a casual 87 points and 25 goals this year in 67 games. A highly intelligent all-around defenseman. He plays with poise, and he's the kind of guy I want on the Senators moving forward. Another guy that, I mean, if the Sens slip a little more, decide to hold on to the pick, a guy that is a type of player in my eyes that the Sens passed up on a couple of years ago is Joe Valeno. I see a lot of similarities in his game to a Sean Couturier. I can really see him having the same career trajectory as a Sean Couturier. And, I mean, he scored the game-tying goal to send it to overtime today. They ended up losing Philadelphia. They did. Uh, talking about that game again, it was good, though. And I think Always Joe, good battle of Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely. And Joe Valeno is uh, definitely a sexy pick for the Sens if they slip a little bit. Next time on Prospect Pickham, we'll talk about what we think the Sens should do with Pittsburgh's first-rounder. Of course, acquired with Philip Gustafson in exchange for Derek Broussard. He scored as well. Just go back to that game. He's... It was nice. That was too. a nice goal. Yeah, a little yeah, alley oop through the neutral zone. Yeah, Ooh. Shiri put him on the alley oop, and he was gone. And that was I, a, there's there's not much better than the Battle of Pennsylvania. Those two better meet in the playoffs. And Doc Emmerich called it a elite shot. Something the Sens are missing. Wow, absolutely. And uh, somebody who's been using his shot as we just wrap up the Sens prospects outside the AHL. Alex Formanton had a hat trick last night. His third goal was disgusting, and he topped it off with the celebration, looking at the away crowd and pretending to take off a hat. Yeah. Chalk it up, and he also had two goals in game one. So that's five goals in two games for Alex Formanton. Drake Batherson, three points in his first two playoff games. Look for those two to hopefully make deep runs. We saw London sell off a lot of guys throughout this OHL season. Bye-bye Rob Thomas, bye-bye Cliff Pooh. And Alex Formanton's taken the extra ice time and run with it. So he's been really, really hot. What do you got, Chris? Well, I just Sorry, I just wanted to mention that as well as uh, Shveshnikov playing very well for the uh, Barry Colts this year. His centerman, Aaron Luchik, Senator's prospect, finished with more points than Fe- than Shveshnikov. So I guess he's a better player, right? <laughs> Overager, though, and Shveshnikov, the 17-year-old. Hopefully they may play with each other at some point down the road. We'll be back next week. We won't take as long of a break as we did last time. Hopefully the Sens keep losing. A few important tank games coming up. Right now, they're in the midst of a home-and-home with Carolina, and then after the at-Carolina game, they're home to the Islanders the next night. Why not? Just their 18th of 19 sets of back-to-backs this season. We'll come back after. We'll talk about some prospects. We'll talk about some playoffs. And that's all for us. For Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament and Brendan Purdy, I'm Ross Levitan. Golf sends golf. This is a story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. Two young lovers with